Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm K.W. Taylor. This week, we're talking about the Hunger Games series, the HBO Max show, The Other Two, and the Hulu show, Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, so what got you back into the Hunger Games? This is a little (laughs) deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) Throwback. Throwback. Yeah, we were talking a couple weeks ago about revisiting things that we really like. And The Hunger Games is one of mine. Yeah, I realized I hadn't watched the movies in a while. And I hadn't read the books in a while. So I don't like sit down and watch movies all that often anymore. But like a week and a half ago, I sat down and just put on the first one. And I was like, building this little model of a little suit of armor and i there's just like <laughs> wait wait, call, wait a minute wait a minute wait yeah. a minute what what sometimes i do crafts when watching tv uh-huh. and i have this little suit of armor model that's like a metal model okay so you punch out the pieces and then you bend them and you like they're little tabs and you put it all together okay okay that's that's awesome. No, I I was just like that. Just you just sort of like <laughs> that drop that in there and like wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so so while you're while you're making your suit of armor, you're watching. <laughs> yes, I had a very relaxing evening. <laughs> no, that sounds awesome. That's great. Actually, I haven't finished the model. Anyway, we're getting off topic. The I'm model sorry. is it's so small. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and. I can only do it for so long because my hands start to cramp with the tweezers and everything. Oh. <laughs> but no, it's fun. We should put a photo of this in our show notes when you finish it. Okay. Yeah. We could totally <laughs> do that. Yeah. Okay. But back to, yes. Yeah. Back to the Hunger Games. Yeah. I just was like, I want something that I know that I like. And yeah, I popped it on and I was like, oh my gosh, I just really like this. Like, you know how you know you like something and then you reconsume it and it sort of hits you again so then i downloaded the book from the library and i started reading it that night and i just really enjoyed these both the books and the movies so this is not new to anyone if you've been alive for the past couple years you've you've (laughs) seen it (laughs) or you, you at least know of it but the first book it's a series the first book is called the hunger games it's by Suzanne Collins. I believe it came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. And then the series Catching Fire and Mockingjay came out in 2009-2010. And it's a young adult book series, a dystopian novel. And it sort of really kind of started the dystopian craze in YA. Mm-hmm. And it's about a future America, which is called Panem, where... The country is set up into 12 districts. There's the capital, and then the surrounding districts are sort of are wealthier. And then once you get out to District 12, where the main character, Katniss, lives, it's very poor, and they are struggling to survive. But every year, to mark the anniversary of a revolution that the capital put down, they have this game called the Hunger Games. And every district sends two kids to the Hunger Games where they basically fight to the death. And it sounds really brutal and terrible, and it is, but 
yeah, it really, I think it really captured a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know how there are a couple books in the world that you know exactly the circumstances that you read the, you read it for the first time? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I remember like not knowing anything about this series and everyone was talking about it. And I was going on vacation. I was at Walmart before vacation and I saw it. There was like this big display and I was like, okay, everyone's talking about it. It's $7. I'm going to pick it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I remember I've always been a night out and I remember everyone else was asleep in the beach house. And I was, we, I think we were in North Carolina and I was like in the living room on the couch with this little light, this little lamp beside me. <laughs> Staying up reading this because I could not put it down. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's one of my favorites. I love it a lot. Some of the reasons I like it are I really love Katniss, the main character. Uh I think there are just some characters who stick with you. And Katniss always was one of those. And I really like the way that Suzanne Collin writes her. It's written in first person, which is sometimes hard for me. Hard for me to read because it's hard for me to connect with the character. Mm-hmm. But I sometimes think about whether that's this book's fault mm. <laughs> because because I think she does it so well. Mm. And the reason I say that is Katniss is... Okay, so it's in first person and everything is from her perspective. Mm-hmm. But you still... Suzanne Collins is still able to alert you to when... Katniss is wrong or like she has a she just is reading things wrong mm-hmm. so even though it's in Katniss's Katniss is telling you the story sometimes as a reader you're like you are not you're not catching on to what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> or like you're you say that but like I think you're lying to yourself yeah I just think she's really good at giving you the character and characterization mm-hmm. while cluing you into bigger things that are going on. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm quite explaining that correctly, but No, but I I get you and I also I I like first person because I I feel like I feel like I know I'm only getting one perspective of the story and that can be interesting and you almost have to kind of infer a lot about what else is going on. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the way people talk like you get the sense of the character through more than just regular dialogue. You get their voice yeah. throughout, and I like that. But I remember that they're in present tense, which doesn't always work for me. Interesting. And yet it worked fine. I was yeah. like, good. it became invisible after a point. And I noticed later that a lot of YA, especially sci-fi YA, is in present tense. Mm-hmm. And I don't know specifically why, but I think that it does make especially kind of stories with a lot of like twists and turns and adventure elements, it makes it feel more immediate. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, they're very well written. They're so clearly written and very economically in terms of like no, no pages wasted. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading the first one and it was nothing, it was not as fun as you're reading it at a vacation, but I distinctly remember (laughs) that I couldn't put it down so much that I was like, Mm -hmm. I remember distinctly one morning getting ready for work and reading it as I was like straightening my hair or something like I had my nook 
like propped up against like my dresser and stuff. I'm like, I just have to keep reading it while I'm doing everything else because I can't stop. So yeah, yeah, it's it's what's the word I'm looking for? But yeah, you can't put it down. Yeah, it's a page turner. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. And part of that <laughs> is the way it's set up with the the cliffhangers on the chapters and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, we could I could probably do like a whole episode on on the style of the Hunger Games. But that's so interesting that you don't care for the present tense because I actually really love the present tense. Mm. And I almost wrote my thesis in the present tense, but Heidi was like, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's always something that you could have changed it later, but I understand her not wanting. (laughs) But I do do think that for, for younger readers or people who like a concise story, present tense can be very compelling and effective. I don't tend to I probably have used it before in my own writing, but not as a habit. I usually just use past. So it's it's not something you see a lot in adult fiction for sure. No. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm not really gonna go into the plot that much because I think everyone knows about it, but it's something that I really love and I wanted to talk about it and I'm probably going to reread them all and rewatch all the movies over the next couple weeks and just like have a chill time of it. Yeah. Enjoy. Thank you. I do like the films also. And I think they were well cast and, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, just a, just a really, and you know, the, the, the premise sounds very brutal and awful and it could have Mm -hmm. gone in a very like battle Royale or squid game kind of direction, but it really doesn't. And they're still very, accessible, but you do have to understand going in that this is about a very, you know, upsetting premise. But I think one of her points, one of Suzanne Collins' points in creating this world was the the conflation of extreme inequality brought on by the aftermath of like nuclear war and ecological disasters, plus the fact that wealth continued to proliferate and people were still obsessed with reality television. Mm -hmm. Because part of it is about this spectacle of the games being televised so people are watching their own children get murdered and that's extremely gruesome brutal and and you know upsetting but it's Mm -hmm. seen as entertainment so it's much more of an allegory of like hey let's maybe lighten up on what we think of as (laughs) like good wholesome you know appropriate for television reality competition because it's awful Yes. Yeah. I think it it does manage to say a lot. And I think that's part of why it was so popular and part of why it kind of kicked off that dystopian craze. Mm -hmm. But also it was so successful in how she did that. I feel like a lot of the dystopian YA that came after didn't quite reach that level of commentary. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. And quickly before we move on to the next topic, yes, the movies are great. Shout out to Gary Ross, who directed and and wrote the first one. And then Francis Lawrence, who directed the the second three, the last three, (laughs) all of the other ones. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Jennifer Lawrence and Josh Hutcherson are Katniss and Peeta for the main characters. Katniss is the main, main character. And I do want to mention Prim. She's played by Willow Shields in the movies, but I think this really hits a lot of my of the things I like. 
And one of those big things is I really like sister relationships Mm -hmm. and I really like protective characters. So the fact that one of Katniss's first acts is volunteering for her sister to protect her, I think it does double duty as like pulling me in as a personal reader and viewer. And also it's a save the cat moment that we talk about in in writing sometimes where you make the main character sympathetic by having them be compassionate and put someone else before themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that aspect of it. Yes. And I think Katniss's love for Prim really carries through the series and is a highlight. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. But you are watching... Something very, very different. I actually don't know what this is. I haven't heard of it. Okay. I think, I don't know if you would like it. I think you might like it based on certain attributes that it has. But Okay. So I just finished watching seasons one and two of a show called The Other Two, which is on HBO Max. And this is a half hour comedy. And it takes a little bit to get pulled into it, but it's kind of like Schitt's Creek in that regard. Okay. And like Schitt's Creek, it gets a lot more sort of quasi wholesome as it goes. I mean, it's still kind of edgy. It's an HBO show. So it's, it's you know, a little bit foul in certain places. But it also centers around a family, a family that has different levels of privilege in certain ways. They're sort of entitled in certain ways. But they're still, they still ultimately all care about each other. And they're also I think inherently still likable, even though they're extremely flawed. So it has all of those things that I do think it has in common with Schitt's Creek. Okay. Okay. So the setup, though, is very high concept. (laughs) It's these two siblings who are in their late 20s, early 30s, Brooke Dubeck and her brother Carrie Dubeck, and they're played by Helene York and Drew Tarver. And Brooke isn't really sure what she wants to do with her life. They both live in New York City um, near each other. Brooke is, at the beginning of the series, like a struggling realtor, and she used to be a professional dancer, but she got injured and can't really do that anymore, so she's been sort of aimless after that. And she's not very good at her realty job, and it's like she's squatting in some of the apartments that she's selling and stuff, and it's just, it's a bad time. And Carrie, her brother, is a struggling actor, and he's a waiter during the day, and he goes on these weird acting auditions. In the first couple episodes, he's auditioning to play a person at a party in a commercial. And it's just bad. And he also does like professional flash mobs and stuff like just really very dumb gigs. Okay. Yeah. And they're they're um, from Ohio. And their mom, played by Molly Shannon, who is amazing, <laughs> suddenly alerts them to the fact that their youngest sibling, Chase, has made a viral music video that goes crazy. And he is suddenly thrust into international pop superstardom. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All of a sudden. And his name is Chase. And the family's last name is Dubeck. But he goes by the the stage name Chase Dreams all smushed together <laughs> with like the D capitalized and it looks yeah. really stupid. And he is he's like 13 and he's incredibly <laughs> earnest. He the actor Case Walker looks like a low rent Justin Bieber. He's always smiling. He has like kind of 
sort of heavy bangs and like real high hair in it. And he just looks like, yes, this kid would absolutely be on a Disney show or, you know, or be a pop star. And it's all very auto-tuned and very highly produced. And yeah. And his little song that goes viral is real dumb. So it's just, and so Brooke and Carrie are shocked and jealous and really confused as to how this happened. And their mom, Pat, is a widow. And she sort of gets her son hooked up with this manager named Streeter Peters, played by Ken Marino, who is also brilliant. And he's very kind of incompetent. But the whole family just has to kind of navigate sudden fame mm-hmm. and this sort of jealousy. But then but then their brother, Chase, is also like a really nice person. Like he's <laughs> genuinely enjoys singing and performing and just wants to like have fun. And he's a kid. Aww, and so yeah. it's just kind of like, oh. And they also get very protective of him because people try to exploit him. Aww. There's a lot of instances where he ends up getting thrust into situations where he's way too young to be equipped to deal with it. And mm-hmm. especially Brooke gets real protective of like, he is a child, like, please stop trying to get him drunk or trying to, oh, you know, yeah. all this weird stuff. And their mom is sort of very Midwestern and very earnest and doesn't always understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Wanda Sykes comes in as another of Chase's sort of management team. She works for his record label. And along the way that like a, a bunch of weird things sort of happen that that bring the whole family into different levels of fame. And it just kind of deals with how they handle it. In the second episode, Chase puts out a music video called My Brother is Gay without telling Carrie. Uh-oh. And so Carrie is outed to the entire world and then becomes this like gay icon. And it's really, he's just kind of upset about the whole thing. Yeah. Pat starts dating Streeter. And because Streeter is so incompetent, the kids are all kind of like, oh, this was a bad choice. <laughs> and it's just really, really funny and and somewhat dark sometimes. But the family ultimately just does care about each other. And Brooke and Carrie are like best friend siblings, which I, I like that. I think that's very sweet. They're very supportive of each other, even though they're also both kind of shallow and clueless. So <laughs> there is a very much of an element of like the kids on Schitt's Creek, where they are bonded, but they have blind spots, and they're sort of superficial and at times kind of dumb, but they do experience growth. So okay, yeah, it's just, it is really, really funny. And there's the way the show is structured. This was, let's see, created by Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider. And they write some of the episodes and kind of run it. And both of them used to write for Saturday Night Live. And you can tell and there's a sort of sketch comedy vibe about the whole thing. And one thing they end up doing really effectively is throughout the whole series, there's a lot of weird little callbacks to kind of subtle jokes and repeated phrases that just get sort of recycled. And you have to almost kind of pay super attention to those things. And and they can be really, really funny. And there's other sort of weird side characters. Brooke has this on-again, off-again boyfriend named Lance, who wants to be a shoe designer, but he's real stupid. I <laughs> can't do it very well. And there's um, just random guest stars. Beck Bennett shows up at one point. Kathy Lee Gifford and Hoda Kotb show up at one point. Mario <laughs> Lopez, Andy Cohen, just random people. And sometimes they play themselves. And it's just kind of funny to watch normal people navigate sort of the quasi-fame world in New York City. So cool. Yeah. 
It's really funny. That sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's very cute. I think you should at least try a couple and see what you think. I Yeah, I want to. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll update you on okay. what I think. But yeah, it sounds really... I was going to say cute, but that's not exactly the right word. <laughs> it, But it kind of is. It's sort of like cute with a little biting edge to it. Okay. So it's cute without being saccharine. It's, okay. you know... Yeah. Yeah. It's edgy cute. <laughs> okay. And you said there are two seasons? Two seasons of 10 episodes each, and they did get renewed for a third season, but of course, COVID, so mm-hmm. it's been a little bit delayed, but I think they're starting to film. Yeah. Cool. There's, it's, yeah, it's just, for anybody who pays any attention to the entertainment industry, even just as an audience member, it is, it's got a lot of fun payoffs and stuff, so, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for recommending that. Sure. But we've both been watching another comedy show. Very different, I think. Yes. On Hulu called Only Murders in the Building. And it's a comedy mystery. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think you and Rachel were watching this. And mm-hmm. I mean, my friend Aaron was watching it. And everyone was like, you should watch this. It's very good. And I didn't for a while, mm-hmm. which was actually a good choice because... I started watching it like right before episode nine dropped. Oh. And then I, (laughs) yeah, I finished them like really quickly. And then I only had to wait like a week for the last episode. But it's 10 episodes. It stars Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, which is an interesting combo. Yes. It works. (laughs) Yes. And they are neighbors in this building called the Arconia in New York City. And They are all fans of a podcast, All Is Not Okay in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a true crime podcast by Cinda Canning, who's played by Tina Fey. Mm -hmm. And she's great. She pops up in like two episodes, I think. Yeah. So they all sit down in their separate apartments to listen to the new episode. And they get interrupted by a fire alarm. So the building empties and they end, They all end up, I think, at a restaurant across the street. Mm-hmm. And they all end up somehow realizing they're all fans of this podcast. So they, they start to talk about it and they sort of become friends. And then it turns out that during the alarm, one of their building neighbors has been murdered. Mm-hmm. So they start they go off on this little quest to find out who did it and do you want to expand a little bit on that yeah and through that they decide to start their own true crime murder podcast and it's called only murders in the building because they're only going to cover murders in their (laughs) shared apartment building (laughs) yeah because martin short's character oliver gets a little carried away yes he's like maybe we could do that one and this one and they're like no only murders in the building (laughs) (laughs) only murders in the building Steve Martin, who also actually co-created this show with John Hoffman, he plays Charles Hayden Savage, who is an actor, and he was in a 1990s detective drama series called Brazos. (laughs) So he's not really acting too much anymore, but people do sometimes recognize him. And the fact that he played a cop, he sort of, I think, feels like he has a little bit of investigative know-how, but not really... (laughs) And Martin Short's character, Oliver Putnam, had been a Broadway director and producer, but he was always kind of struggling. And he ends up having to like borrow money from his son. And it seems like things are just not really going well for him. 
And then Selena Gomez plays Mabel Mora, and she's obviously a lot younger than the others in her late 20s. And she's renovating one of the apartments for her aunt, who is the person who really lives there. So she's just kind of staying there while it's being fixed up. And yeah, and it's it's, it's a very unlikely trio. And yet it really does work and they get along and it's it's very, very cute. Mm-hmm. I just thought, I because when I first heard about the casting, I was like, okay, well, the, Steve Martin and Martin Short have worked together a lot and that makes mm-hmm. kind of sense. They're sort of contemporaries. But Selena Gomez felt like, out of left field and gimmicky to me. But in terms of how the plot unfolds, it actually, you kind of need that character to be younger based on some other factors. And I really grew to like her. I've ever, I mean, I know who she is, but I'd never actually seen her act. Mm-hmm. And she has this very effective deadpan voice. And she reminds me <laughs> yeah. a lot of Aubrey Plaza. Okay. And just was very funny and sarcastic and and she also had really great outfits. So I was <laughs> shallowly like, I love her coat and I would wear that sweater. And, you know, so it was. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> that's not something I realized, but it is up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really liked their team up. <laughs> and I don't normally like jokes about age differences and stuff, but <laughs> they actually <laughs> they played it really well. Mm-hmm. And there are some really good ones in there. Like, <laughs> at one point, Charles and Oliver are talking, and they're like, we have to let Mabel know. <laughs> Sorry. What? And one of them <laughs> and one of them wants to call, and then the other one's like, no, we have to text, because calls bother them for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, of course they do. <laughs> You know, and I'm I'm still a lot younger than them, but I'm older than Mabel. But calls bother me. I don't like getting a phone call. <laughs> like if you are calling me instead of texting me to warn me you're calling me, something is wrong. Like yeah. it's bad. It's and if you're gonna call me, you need to text ahead of time and say I'm gonna call you and everything's fine. <laughs> that there has to be a reason why you're calling instead of texting. Like of yeah. course. Well, I course. just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a couple other little cute things like that too but nathan lane is also in it as a supporting character named teddy demas um he also lives in the arconia amy ryan plays jan um and she also lives in the building too but the guy who was murdered there the police seem to think it was a suicide but they are immediately not convinced and just kind of go on this investigative tear and yeah they end up i feel like really smart and they play off each other's strengths Mm -hmm. because i think charles is kind of careful and deliberate, but he has some blind spots. Oliver is very like impulsive, but sometimes that works because he doesn't let go of an idea. Mm -hmm. And Mabel holds a lot of cards close to her vest, but that's not a bad thing because it means that she can get closer to the investigation without fully revealing all of her suspicions too early. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is not a bad combination. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I thought it worked really well. Mm-hmm. And they also did this thing that I really liked where each of the episodes, I mean, they're the main characters, mm-hmm. but each of the episodes sort of focused on a different thing or person sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned a couple weeks ago, there was that one episode from Theo's perspective mm-hmm. and Theo's uh, deaf character. 
there was not a lot of dialogue in it. Uh-huh. But then there were a couple other episodes where, like, they sort of gather some podcast fans. Uh-huh. And I think it's like a it's a it's sort of a bookending thing. Like every episode starts and ends with a different person. Uh-huh. So one episode starts and ends with the podcasting group, and one of them starts and ends with the detective on the case. Uh-huh. I just thought that was a really interesting approach, mm-hmm. and I liked it a lot. Yeah. And I won't spoil who it is, but one of their neighbors is famous, and at <laughs> one point they think that person is the killer, and the famous person shows up as themselves and is in it, And but it's later on someone else is like coming into the case late and is like, wait, you thought so-and-so was the killer at one point? And it's <laughs> yeah. like, clearly that was stupid, but... <laughs> Yeah, so I won't try to spoil too too much there, but it was it was so random when they showed up. I was like, "Wait a minute, what? That's weird." But, you know, it is a fancy building, a fancy co-op in Manhattan, and so it's not that outside the realm that a kind of celebrity would potentially live there at least as one of their residences. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great, and I was wondering how they got that person. I don't know. They clearly had a lot of fun with it though. Yeah, I really they did. Yeah. But it's very, very well written. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. Oliver also has a little bulldog named Winnie, who's very cute. Yes. There's also a guy with cats, which that part is a little bit strange. But anyway. <laughs> yes. In the interest of, we've been talking about this the past couple weeks, we've been giving dog and cat spoiler alerts. The dog is fine. Mm-hmm. The cat is not. No. <laughs> we'll just say that maybe. No. But no animals, I'm sure, were actually harmed in the making of this. Nothing is gruesome. And nothing's graphic. Yeah. No, no. But this is at heart, like, it is a murder mystery. So people die and people get Mm -hmm. killed. And and there is some hints of violence, even though it's not really on the screen. Yes. People get injured a couple times, too. but, But it's very, like, cozy mystery style. It's clearly spoofing amateur detectives and true crime podcasts so if those things strike your fancy and if you love kind of a little bit of classic screwball style comedy there's a lot of physical comedy and a lot of pratfalls and whatnot so (laughs) yeah it's just really fun i was very surprised at how super just straight up fun it is and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. just interesting guest stars in addition to people who are actually famous there's a lot of like hey it's that guy sort of people in the background and um folks that sort of show up in little small roles so yeah it's just really fun it is yeah i was surprised at how much i liked it and it's it's comforting and because it does it deals with death and murder Mm -hmm. and at some points i was like if this were a different show (laughs) these characters would be in major trouble right now oh yeah (laughs) like in peril for their lives but yes because of the kind of show it is you're like nothing really bad is gonna happen and it's fine it's a nice (laughs) it's a nice viewing experience yes yes so yeah highly recommended this is probably one of my favorite new shows this year i was just consistently comforted entertained laughed a lot super fun yeah, agreed. And I believe it got renewed for a second season. It did. And I will also say our friend Rachel, shortly before the finale, she told me who the killer was, in oh. her opinion. 
And she was completely correct. So I had to, and I did not think she was going to be right. I didn't. And I told her that, but I did say, you were right. Good job. So good job. She figured it out. I do think it's interesting that Rachel was only in it for the mystery. She didn't seem to think it was as charming as we do. Yeah. But your mileage will vary. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But that also proves that you can like it for different elements of itself. And I mean, I was very compelled by the mystery and I wanted to know who did it. And I kept trying to figure things out. So if you do like investigative things, you know, you'll probably dig that element of it too. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. Well, next week we have an all TV episode where we discuss the HBO Max series Love Life, the NBC series Blind Spot, and the new third season of Netflix's You. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you'd rather email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at positivelypopculture.com. And please, if you're enjoying us, rate us and review us on iTunes and wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.